What is up, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of the What Hog Gaming Podcast, hosted by me, Hamish Hector, and me, Oliver Barsby. How you doing, Ollie? It's just been it's been a long week uh, for me this week. I think you know you have you have those weeks sometimes where you don't really want to play get you games. You're just waiting for a game to come. So for me, it's been The Last of Us Two this week. So I've been like, okay, what do I do this week? What do I play? Uh, I've been wanting to play The Last of Us Two. Finally, it got to yesterday and it arrived after some troubles with amazon but it finally arrived oh no you, you go for amazon still i i i can't remember what game it was but there was something yeah. where i pre-ordered it and it wasn't going to arrive on the day but i couldn't cancel my pre-order oh, i was locked in you're locked into it and i was stuck waiting it was i think i mean the main reason i went with amazon is because the last of us 2 is sold out pretty much everywhere um, and I wasn't okay. sure what shops were going to be open to go and buy it. So I was like, I'll get it from Amazon, the Steelbook edition. It's pretty cool. Um, but then I woke up at six o'clock yesterday morning to a notification saying from Amazon saying my delivery was on hold. Um, and then I was like, what does this mean? And then I had a stress for an hour waiting to call the post office and be like, what information do you need? And then it just was an error i guess because an hour later they said yeah it's on it's out for delivery in leamington and by 10 o'clock i'd got the game so oh yeah that's still good then so oh yeah it was how all are good. you finding it so far oh i cannot say i'm not saying anything to do with any spoilers for the last of us 2 because that's very harsh on everybody uh including you if you ever play the game um it's good you know it looks fantastic i played the first one not even remastered just normally ps3 style gra- graphics so it's obviously a big boost on that um story wise it's gonna be good i can tell and then gameplay it's just a massive improvement on the first one again the first one got a bit of criticism for you know being a bit too similar and a bit just hide behind this box go kill this person um but but it's shaking it up a bit and there's some new elements to it which i think are gonna be good but i'm only two and a half hours in um that's all i'm going to say i'm not going to say anything else no that's really good um yeah, I've not really been playing too much else myself. I've played a bit more Witcher 3. I think I'm nearing the end of that campaign. And mm-hmm. then also there's the new Fortnite season. It's got some cool new water elements. The shark, isn't it? There's a shark in there. I saw that. There is the shark. You can you can ride on a shark now, which oh. you've managed to fish one up. On the one hand, really good. But I feel like the sharks are a lot better and more scary when they're just doing their own thing. Because the sharks mm. will launch themselves out of the water at you and they just destroy buildings. The moment you've latched onto one, they're not quite as useful. So maybe I just haven't worked out how to use them right yet, but I'm hoping that maybe as time goes on, they will maybe tweak them a little bit. It's because at the moment, like when you run into someone with a shark, in the trailer, they show Midas, who was like the big main guy from last season, getting eaten by one. Yet when I've tried to sort of run into a player, it's done, I think, three damage max. Oh dear. And it's just like, ah. Oh. Have you been killed by a shark yet? Like, from another player? I've not been killed by a shark from another player, but I've been killed nearly by a shark that was just roaming around and just threw <laughs> itself at me. And it was genuinely the most terrifying experience <laughs> I've had in a video game. And that Aww. includes, like, all the horror games I've played. So, yeah. But enough about what we've been playing in Fortnite, because I will keep on talking about that game. I think we should talk about the quite large amount of news we have this week we've had a lot of news this week um we actually had to cut it down and sort of be like right we we can't talk about this because it's this and this and this and it's been a lot of toing and froing i think we've finally settled on the best sort of topics to talk about this week yes i think we've settled on the most important ones and the the first one 
is maybe a slightly smaller one, uh, but I think it's still important to talk about because it's the announcement that the little devil inside developer has apologized for including racist stereotypes in its reveal trailer and that they will be aiming to remove these characters and stereotypes from the official release which yeah. uh, little devil inside being one of the games that we saw at the ps5 event and you and i both generally liked the look of the game oh yeah i am um, i think i called this in our last podcast after the event um i said this was like my game of a show to watch out for um it still looks very interesting this doesn't take away my opinion from that game and i think they've handled this as well as you could expect um yeah i think the developers are called neostream interactive and they addressed it by saying um racist stereotypes of any kind were absolutely not intended we were not aware of any of the stereotypical connotations and wish to apologize to anyone who may have been offended by the character design so i do think overall and i think quite a lot of of gaming community feels this way as well it was an accidental mistake which seemed to come from ignorance from a small studio which doesn't really have as much um experience with racism and uh sort of inclusion issues and i think they probably need a bit more educating or hiring a more diverse staff which might be a bit difficult because it is at the end of the day i think it is a small indie korean studio um yeah, but hopefully the fact that they've addressed this and taken it out of a game should be good. I will be good. Yeah, because I think they they mentioned they were trying to sort of take inspiration from uh, various characters they record. Uh, yeah, they... Moana was one I think they referenced. A... Yeah, they wanted to recognise the um, Kakamora characters in Disney Moana. Disney's Moana. Mm. They're sort of these um, small creatures that ride around on a boat and wear these masks. And I think, yeah, they were trying to capture that design, but I guess if you aren't careful with that sort of thing, you can be trying to reference something, but it can come across as a bit stereotypical because maybe you don't yeah. quite get in all the nuances. But Yeah, it's it's a different... Because um, I think I'm not. they might not have had as much experience with um, having experienced this sort of side of racism or stereotypes as much as we have done in the West. Um, yeah. You know, it's a bit more of a larger issue of... Yeah, I think I think in um, various different countries, obviously, they, each of them has their own different histories. And obviously in the West, uh, we were a lot more involved in the negative sides of those histories. And so we are aware of what went on, whereas in some other places, it's not it's not the same. And so I think as because we're a global culture, people yeah. probably should be aware of this stuff. But it's it's understandable that maybe slips slip ups can happen. But at least in this case, they've sort of gone in, they fixed it. And they they seem willing to realize, okay, yeah, sorry, we messed up. And I think it could have been really bad if they had made this mistake and then doubled down on it. I think the fact that they've sort of gone in and said, yeah, we we didn't realize this was a problem. We'll fix it. Mm. I not think the, not. They should have hopefully realized it was a problem to begin with. But at least like now it's yeah. I'm changed. just wondering from Sony's side. Um, did they not check the trailers and be like, hmm? Like, because Sony, obviously, PlayStation is more of a global company with sort of a diverse, I hope, diverse yeah. group of uh, staff. But maybe it was just a sort of, let's just chuck this trailer in. We don't really need to vet it that much or they weren't on the lookout. Hopefully now, obviously, there might be more in the future. Yeah, I wonder if it's just one of those things, because it was quite a short trailer. Just maybe it was it was a sh- short clip and maybe just whoever it was didn't pick it up. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a good outcome. Yeah, I think it's a good outcome, so I don't want to villainize these guys too much. No. Like, I think what they've done is good. 
no, I'm still going to probably buy this game. I'm very excited for it. And I don't think people should be put off the game um, after this. But before that can happen, we've got the Pokemon event. And we had one so far, but the sort of the and one more thing of this event was that there will be something going on next week. There's not really a an indication of what that is. I've seen yeah, some speculation. There's, there's two sides of the camp of the Pokemon community and it's the we're going to get a Diamond and Pearl remake or it's we're going to get the Let's Go Johto. Um, I think I'm in the camp of please, please, please let it be a Diamond and Pearl remake um, or more specifically, please make sure it's a not Let's Go Pikachu or not Let's Go Johto. I've also seen online people thinking I feel like this is less likely than those two options for a separate event, but people saying it might be related to Smash Bros. Ooh, I mean, they've just uh, they've got the Smash Bros. event, don't they? Um, yeah. Next week, anyways. People are sort of hypothesizing that maybe a Pokemon character might appear. A lot of people are, are touting Rylaboom from the most recent game. Okay. I th- I think fans would be very disappointed if that's all it was. Um, I think fans would be disappointed, particularly because. It would be odd to not connect it to the Smash event, yeah. but Nintendo of America have said that there won't be a new character revealed. So, and that's not, it's not a. Um, I don't think that would deserve its own show, to be honest. Uh, hey, here's a new, um, here's a new Smash Bros. factor. They could have added that in the original one. Yeah, particularly because there probably won't be a lot to reveal because it would be odd to have two characters released at the same time. Yeah, it would just be here's Rylaboom, and that's it. Um, yeah. Maybe they'll maybe. add it alongside it. Who knows? There might be more than just the one reveal. Well, yeah, they might add yeah. they might add it alongside, but um, I think uh, but what do you think of the review uh, the well, not the reviews the the releases that we've seen so far? We've got quite a few things, so we can start from Pokemon Smile was the first one I saw that and was like, okay, um, I can't say I've picked it up to be honest. The uh, tooth toothbrush sort of cleaning app, teeth cleaning app. You know, if it helps kids brush their teeth, great. Uh, it, well, it's just it's just one of those things where I'm like, well, I don't really. There's not much more I could say, like, oh, yeah, it looks cool, but I don't think I'll pick it up. Well, Ollie, as someone who has picked up Pokemon Smart, picked I can up. tell you that it's it's fine. I used it to brush my teeth last night. Did it Did it help? <laughs> I picked Eevee as my partner Pokemon. It was very good. It kept me brushing for the whole two minutes, a whole 120 seconds. Uh, my only issue so far is that it seems not the best at picking <laughs> up your um, your toothbrush. It does the whole AR thing. Okay. And I think on the one hand, it's very cool. But I think for the toothbrush perspective, it might have been better if it sort of encouraged you to... It did the AR thing, but it encouraged you to clean your teeth as you go and just sort of gave you a Pokemon no matter what happened. Particularly because it's aimed at children. You can, you know, you'll probably be having an adult supervising the kids. Mm. Particularly because you need a phone. It can be quite difficult to hold it up and clean your teeth at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I'd be scared to just drop my phone when you're doing it. You're like, you have to angle it at a certain, certain perspective. Uh, you probably do a, a little bit, but I think it's it's one of those things, though, because you also have to have your mouth wide open and you get all <laughs> of the toothpaste spit everywhere. Mm. And so it's not the most hygienic. So I think it could have been better if maybe it didn't matter that it could see you cleaning your teeth and could just sort of give you the Pokemon, particularly because that would yeah. be nice for kids. But I guess it encouraged... But in the other hand, like by seeing you brush, it tells you, oh, you're not brushing hard enough. You're not brushing in the right place. So it's just a that. I was things. like, okay, cool. You know, I, yeah. it wasn't, I mean, I was probably the least important one of a show 
um, oh, from a developer perspective as well. And then it was, <laughs> what was the next one? Pokemon Cafe? Something about Pokemon Cafe. I can't remember its actual full name. Pokemon Cafe Mix is a puzzle game. Yes. It, you have to fill orders uh, which are done by completed puzzles. Yeah, it looks like, you know, one of those, well, that it's Nintendo's favourite buzzword at the moment, or Game Freak's actually free-to-start type titles is what they call them. Yeah, um, I hate that as a name. <laughs> It's just yeah, I I was I saw free to start and I was like okay, well this is going to be riddled with microtransactions. Um, I'm not really that excited for it. I don't think I'll pick it up. I'll just sort of look at it and be like, cool. You know, it looks like I swear there was that Pokemon. Um, there was a mobile game a while ago which looks to have very similar elements. The one where you would match the Pokemon's faces. Yeah, I think it's Pokemon Link. I I think I played it very briefly. A lot of people like it. I remember that was quite yeah. good. It looks. Similar to that, um, a bit cute, it looked quite cute, but I, I don't know, I, again I was just like, I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to pick this up, um, another Pokemon mo- mobile game, they've got quite a lot now and some of them have been pretty negatively received. Yeah, I think that the po- I, I, the last one they put out, I believe, was Pokemon Masters and I remember playing that and being just sorely disappointed by how not good a game it was. Yeah, it So was... I think that... I think that Nintendo and Game Freak really need to think about their mobile games because so far, I feel like to gen- generally they're not having a positive impact on how people perceive their uh, properties. And so I think they sort of need to think about it and make sure they start putting out good games. They also want them to be profitable. Like I, I would argue one of the better games they put out was Mario Run and that didn't do very well at all. Like No one bought it. But I think finding a balance of trans- like money making and good, there's, there's a balance to be had there with mobile yeah. gaming. But I think that you know Nintendo and Game Freak are quite still new to the mobile industry, so they're still trying to sort of figure out what's the best way for them to tackle this brand new market. Though in a market that they are already familiar with, we got two kind of new Switch things. I guess one of them was actually completely new. It was that the announcement of Pokemon Snap. And honestly, yeah. I think people are gobsmacked that this was finally <laughs> revealed because Pokemon Snap is an amazing Pokemon game. It's just one of those, fa- you know, Pokemon Snap Two is just a fa- one of those fabled Pokemon games which everyone says, "Oh, we really need it, but we'll never get it. We'll never, they'll never do it because Nintendo and Pokemon just hate what the fans think. So we'll never get it." And they've finally done it, and I think it 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 looked great. I know it was a teaser trailer, sort of might not be reflective of the gameplay, but just from a sort of graphics perspective, it looks like really beautiful. Um, people might have seen these pictures going, the animations as well look great. Um, all I'll say is, I know we'll touch on Isle of Armour later, just look at the um, water in Isle of Armour and compare it to how it looks in Pokemon Snap. And then yes. tell me, uh, tell me that Pokemon Sword and Shield was the best it could be. No, I think I think that's very fair. I, people have pointed out this is there there are two quite big differences between this game and Pokemon Sword and Shield. Predominantly, this game is about it looking aesthetic, and it is an honor rails game, so you only have to look at it from various angles. Yeah. But yeah, I think a lot of people are sort of pointing out how good the animations are in this game and how they they could have been better in Isle of Armor <laughs> uh, and Pokemon in general. But um, then the final news was obviously that Isle of Armor got released, but that's our game club game so we'll talk about what we thought of that later on uh 
the other Pokemon Sword and Shield news was the addition of Zeraora as the as a legendary mythical Pokemon that came to max raid battles and trainers can work together to try and take it down. Unfortunately for now you can't catch it, but what they're hoping is by the 28th of June a million players will have defeated this Pokemon and they will be able to all get given one for free. Do you think do you think a million people will participate in the raid battles? I don't know. I've I've been on the Pokemon Reddit and <laughs> It seems to be that people are having a mixed reaction. Some people are fighting Zeror in big groups of four, and other people like me will put up that they found one as a raid, and just no one will join it. And um, when it was a three-star Zeror, I took it out easy. But you can also find five-star variations, Ooh. which are the most powerful. And on my own, I just could not beat it. I no. think I've been having a real problem with the max raid battles in Pokemon. And I think it was something that, whilst it is trying to encourage you to play with other people, it really needs to be improved. Because the main problem you have is, like, no one joins my raid, so I had yeah, to play on no, my own. No one joins max raid battles. You just do your own. You can't be bothered. And you can't be bothered waiting for the people to join. So you just do it on yourself, and you have the uh, AI come and help you and do nothing. Because, yeah, yeah, what's also infuriating, though, it's not just they do nothing. It's also that it seems more common that I will they will choose just random Pokemon and the random Pokemon they choose shocking. are They're always awful. types that are so bad a matchup with the one I'm playing against. Like I did the Zero Aura event, like I think I did three battles in a row and at least two of the trainers every single time had a water type Pokemon. <laughs> or a type that was or a yeah. type that was like um was like super effective against one of Zero Aura's move. And then, yeah, and then I did a Lapras event just afterwards uh, with against a, one of the Gigantamax Laprases. And again, like twice in a row, the two times I played it, two of my partners had, well, had like a fire type or a ground type, both of which are weak to water. Yeah, it's, some, it's something that we need to look at um, for the next game if Max Raid Battles do come back to the game. Yeah, because for people that don't know, basically it's four trainers against this one giant Pokemon. Um, if you are... It alternates that you can ha- make one of your own Pokemon giant. You can Dynamax it, but it only stays for three turns. And the way you lose the the fight is if you go for too long, you battle for over ten turns, it automatically ends. Or if collectively your team has four defeats, and particularly against uh, this Lapras, it could no Surf, so it oh, was really dear. quick for it to wipe out our team because once yeah. it's wiped out a Pokemon, it's rest for a turn and then comes back. So you'd, it, you'd surf one turn, knock two of them out, wait a turn, then you surf in the third round, knock the two of them out, we were done. <laughs> yeah, I think there's some serious sort of AI problems that they need to fix in the game, definitely. Yeah, that, that's enough of my ranting, but yeah, it was a... <laughs> a venting against Pokemon. We could do that later, don't worry. Oh, I've got so much more to vent about that game. Right. Well, if you want to vent even more, here's a company which have had their fair share over the last few years. EA uh, hosted their, well, replacement E3 event, the EA Play Live, um, on Thursday night. It was at 12am. I stayed up for it, Hamish. Did you stay up? I did not. I actually forgot it was happening. Oh, yeah. Well, it (laughs) it was not a very memorable event. Um, I didn't actually remember it happened. I didn't even remember it happened until the evening the next day. There wasn't much, um, you know... Game journalists everywhere were like, okay, we're going to stay up and we're going to bash out all these announcements. It's a first late night one. 
for us in the UK anyways. And then just nothing got revealed, to be honest. They were like, oh, well, that's it. Cool. Um, <laughs> I'm going to bed. <laughs> Don't have to stay up and pull an all-nighter for EA Play Live. And the the thing I think which I took away from this is that I'm kind of glad E3 got cancelled because it means yeah. we didn't have as many press conferences like this when it was just a random... Well, it was, it was, it was all right. I, I didn't mind a presenter, but, you know, they have a bit too long just talk, him talking and making some pretty cringy jokes at some point um, and then talking to developers about sort of everything except the game for a good few minutes and showing off a little teaser trailer and then going back and talking and repeating that for 45 minutes. It is just not the way forward, I think. You know, you need more of these, here's the game, next game, next game, next game, bash them off in an hour and everyone goes away satisfied. Yeah, because as well, I think EA normally sort of pad out their experience by one of their bigger titles. They get sort of a large number of celebrities and internet personalities to come in and give those games a go and so you can see oh this is what one of the big battles in star wars battlefront 2 looks like and it just becomes a very messy let's play it's good that they just got through the announcements this time and to be fair like looking at the announcements uh, i will at least the sort of the top five as picked out by the verge they look pretty decent like if you're into apex then it you'll be excited that it's got a new season and that it's coming to the nintendo switch so that's pretty interesting the i i have to say apex legends will run horrifically on the switch do you think i think it's gonna be a struggle um you know it's a bit i know fortnite runs decently on the switch but obviously it's a bit more of a um higher quality game in terms of the graphics and the fps um and i think it'll be hard for the switch to keep up especially with the high-end consoles um, that's just my uh, opinion anyways <laughs> I we'll wonder because I, I feel like they wouldn't be announcing it if it wasn't good and they're also going for crossplay so they've crossplay is great um, I think EA yeah, it's good that EA are leaning on crossplay more um, you know they're one of the last developers to really start in, big developers to introduce it um, they've not done it for FIFA yet which is the big the next one um, but we can hope yeah, there was uh, Rocket Arena which seems to be just uh, another hero shooter on the market yeah it, it, it I was like okay it's just overwatch with rockets um cool (laughs) that's that's all i had to say about that yeah i mean it's meant to launch in less than a month i i feel like sort of valorant will have taken us a lot of the steam away from this game just because Mm. people might jump on i is this is is rocket arena going to be free to play because i feel like if it's not it's probably not going to win out yeah i mean isn't the hero the hero shooter you know it's kind of on its last legs i think anyways um people are getting a bit tired of the oh look at these classes you can use sort of type thing from shooting as much i think um i think it's it, it's getting too oversaturated the market you know and when overwatch 2 comes out i think that'll probably if it tanks as well um that'll probably be the end of the genre for a few years yeah well because you will you still have um valorant i i don't think overwatch 2 would tank just because it's it's a it's a sequel but it's a sequel only in the sense that it's a some additional content for the game so if you have overwatch the original i think at the time they said you can just keep playing it and you will get access to the new characters and the maps but you won't be able to get access to the story isn't it skins I... and the story like you'll be paying yeah. for the other content i don't know i don't know what that game's going to be um i guess if blizzard do their announcements uh, blizzard, uh cancelled blizzcon isn't it yeah, and so I had a look, uh, Rocket Arena, there's no announcement if it's going to be free to play. Oh. I think if it's not, and it's no going one against will. Valorant, No one will buy it. Sorry to unless say. Unless you're on console, you 
probably won't get it and yeah not much worth no. to it there's something that i thought was interesting just because i don't feel like you see many multiplayer games like this and my favorite announcement was star wars squadron we obviously already got the so yeah, this it got leaked, and then we saw the reveal trailer early. But then we got an official gameplay trailer for the event, and I think it looks pretty darn good. It looks great. I do feel a bit bad for EA. I didn't think I'd ever say those words, um, but I feel a bit bad they got leaked early because this was clearly meant to be the big reveal of the show. Um, and as you said, the gameplay I thought looked fantastic. We've well, we talked about it a bit earlier. Um, I think it needs to have a third-person mode, but hopefully they will reveal that soon. Yes. One thing I do hope for the story is that they don't pull a um, Star Wars Battlefront 2 and go, you can play as a dark side and then, you know, transfer to the light. <laughs> yeah, well, it looks like they've got... Because they have the two different squadrons. You've yeah. got the one that's working for the Republic and the one that's working for the Empire. I think that you will see the two different sides. They probably won't have you changing over. I yeah. just think it's cool. I I said that I'd quite like it to stay just the first person look. I think that's quite an interesting concept. I think it would keep you very immersed. And my indication is that it would at least be entirely playable in first person because they've announced that virtual reality yeah. will be Symbiote. available for the entire game in PS4 and PC. And whilst I don't know how many people will do that, I think for some people that will be potentially a reason to get VR. It will be a reason to lug out your headset. So for sort of virtual reality in general that's going to be really helpful yeah if i had a uh, vr headset i'd be very excited um what was that 250 quid so yeah so yeah but i i think as well that's not too bad and then finally actually the last announcement they had that wasn't too big a deal for me i personally prefer the tony hawk series but you had skate 4 got announced it's very early in development it's a weird time for them to announce it i think um i mean everyone's been clamoring for that game for ages now but They've dropped the ball on it. He should have announced it last year or a year before when Tony Hawk wasn't coming out. Um, very odd though, like, you know, all these skating games are coming out at the exact same time. I wonder if someone's, do we have like a little group chat, like a skating video game developer group chat where they're like, oh, let's, let's announce them all at the same time or something. Yeah, it's probably just one of those things. And as well, I think what's going to, on the one hand, what could hurt Skate is that it's only just coming out. Mm. Uh, oh no sorry what's gonna hurt skate is that it's only just been announced even so it's not coming out for like a while so tony hawk pro skater one and two will be released because it's coming out later this year but on the other hand it could help because it like gets people back into this sort of skate genre and then this game comes out at a later date so i'm willing to see where this goes with it but it could yeah. be that yeah is it either it's going to get cannibalized or it's going to get helped so we'll see how it goes yeah the, the only one more thing i want to say by the EA play was I like many others was disappointed that there was no sort of battlefield um, announcement or anything like that because it feels like it's time for them to try and make another battlefield like the modern one um, and there was big rumours about it showing up this year at the show um, I guess it's still in development and it's still quite early in development probably for next year then at this point um, but it was probably the most disappointing show I'd say out of the ones we've had so far. Um, you know, I made Xbox's event look great. So, Well, in future years, it might not be as unimpressive because there are rumours that Electronic Arts might be one of the people that want to buy Warner Brothers Interactive mm. from AT&T. Uh, so AT&T have put their 
game arc of their Warner Brothers studio up on the market for sale, reportedly. And there are a bunch of people expressing interest. Unfortunately, a lot of bad actors, I would say, in <laughs> in the gaming industry. You've got Take-Two, EA, as I've said, and Activision Blizzard. Yeah, I mean, they're the only three I can really think of which have the money to actually buy it, to be honest. Um, apart See, from Nintendo, I the... but I don't think. I don't know how their money goes, but I'm just sat here in the corner being like, Xbox, Xbox, <laughs> Xbox. Because, um, obviously... Warner Brothers Interactives includes some huge studios. Um, three big ones that people might recognise. You've got Rocksteady, who made the Batman Arkham trilogy. Or, well, three of those games. They didn't make um, uh, Batman Arkham Origins. Uh, but they made Asylum City and uh, Night. You've also got TT Games that make all of the Lego games. And then NetherRealm, which make all of the Mortal Kombat games. So it's quite a good, diverse range some good, uh, of studios. big... Big names there. Um, I think, yeah, I just... Whoever buys it, you know, they have so much potential, but they have so much potential to mismanage all these series um, and completely decimate the uh, Batman series, which is what I think some would probably do. Um, yeah, well, I, my feeling as to why like, Xbox should buy it, because obviously Sony have their Spider-Man series, and I feel <laughs> like there isn't really a Marvel hero that could combat it, but if they said, oh, we've got an exclusive batman or an exclusive dc game they could pull in players yeah i mean rock study as well like even though the dc characters aren't as popular they've shown they know how to handle them yeah i did think about this the other day um about xbox exclusives you know i was waiting for the last of us and i was like i'm so excited i actually thought of you hamish um i was like there's not been a good xbox exclusive for a while now um what was the last xbox exclusive which you enjoyed well I haven't played it yet, but I imagine I'll enjoy Ori and the Will of the mm. Wisps because I loved Ori and the yeah. Forest. I See, it's, I... a good, it's, it's a good... I mean, I'm sure that game... Or isn't it, well, I've played the first one because it's on Switch now. Um, but you know, like the big sort of massive titles which take the internet by storm. So The Death Strandings, The Last of Us, um, Sekiro, Ghost of Tsushima. This, I think if Warner Bros. do get bought by Xbox, and I kind of think... I kind of, well... Even though I won't be getting to Series X, um, I think it would be a good move and I'd celebrate it in the gaming industry. Because I do kind of feel a bit bad <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, I think... Um, I'm just trying to have a look at what they've made because I'm trying to think because like, I've played a few recently. I played Quantum Break and I really, I quite enjoyed that game. But again, it, it did have its issues. Like It didn't feel quite as... It felt special for the stuff yeah. it did outside of, outside of the actual game. Like the, the TV episode element felt weird and cool. Um, I think yeah, Minecraft Dungeons wasn't very good, but that's not really an exclusive. That's a. I'm just looking at games that were developed by Xbox. You got um, um, what is what am I looking at? Oh yeah, you've got all the Forza games. Forza's decent. I you know a game that I see for you really enjoyed again that didn't do very well from Xbox, and I'm sad we probably won't see more of it. Was Sunset Overdrive? Oh, I didn't like that game. It was uh, odd for me. Yeah, um, an odd one. I I thought it was really fun i liked the kind of quirkiness of it and it felt like a very good deadpool game uh from not from like the sense of the actual like characters and everything but sort of the the humor it brought and the the self-referential uh elements and just just everything about that game was made with such a love and attention um hmm. there were these i think my favorite thing was the final dlc as you went around the map there were these uh videos you could find all these like big screens you could find that would play 
live action videos of this um guy like the game's community manager talking about the game like giving you updates telling you about things and then he became the final boss of the dlc oh that's it it's good it's good yeah one of his screens got corrupted and it became like this giant (laughs) mech creature and i just thought oh that was a really clever way to really just sort of appreciate the fans and i think like the shooting and the everything once you got the hang of it was fantastic so i'd be excited to see more of it hopefully well i don't i don't know i don't think uh microsoft will be in the market for warner bros you know they've just bought all these brand new studios uh i think it was at e3 2018 they revealed all the studios they bought so unfortunately i don't think it'll be microsoft to uh pick up warner bros you know it might i honestly out of them i think take two are the ones who i think would probably be most likely to buy it um they seem to sort of like having a lot of those type just just they like having lots of games um i think for them it's often quantity over quality oh well and they've already announced they've got a lot of ideas for lots of games coming out so we'll we'll just have to see when when that happens and speaking of just having to wait and see blooming cyberpunk 2077 has been delayed (laughs) i knew we've had this we had the sort of when was it april when they were like oh yeah it's been delayed till september but guys we promise it's not going to be delayed anymore and we talked about this and i was like it's it's going to get delayed it's 100 percent going to get delayed and when i saw it i was like that was so obvious and there was it i wouldn't have even cared like no one would have cared as much if i hadn't explicitly said it's not getting delayed anymore it's just you didn't need to say that cd project red <laughs> no i think they did shoot themselves in the foot because uh, we talked about this earlier in the week, um, just the two of us, uh, when it, when the news got announced. And yeah, it's just like, delaying a game is fine, but you're right, they didn't need to say it. Yeah, like... The I last... definitely know why they've done it. It's fair enough that they've delayed a game, you know, they've probably run into some more issues with working at home, um, which is a fair enough reason, you know, can't really dunk on a studio for uh, for delaying the game, you know, you, you want a better quality game at the end of the day. Um, I just think the way they... I wonder what happened uh, when they like decided that they had to delay the game and how much sort of backlash they got from the investors who were like, well, you literally just told us it would never get delayed again. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think that there are some very weird elements to it. I mean, it could be a whole host of things. It could be they need to do a little bit more motion capture. It could be that they, I mean, just like The Witcher 3 is a giant mm. game and there are a lot of bugs even yeah. as much as um there are these quests you can go and do where you can get witcher gear so you can for there are five different schools of witcher in the game and you can go and get armor which um, increases your abilities related to each of those schools and um there's multiple stages of quests you can get like the base armor and then you can get upgraded diagrams so you can craft better versions of it the issue is the first quest for the base armor that you need to craft all the other variations for the wolf school, the wolf school being the one that the main character is from, is glitched. And (laughs) it's possible for reasons out of your control when you start the when you start that playthrough there's a chance that when you get to that quest which is like 30 hours into the game, maybe less if you're really trying to speed, speed through it, but sort of a good number of hours into the game it just will not work. And there is no way to fix it. There used to be a way around it in previous patches, but they then patched out that fix without <laughs> patched, actually fixing it. They patched the patch. Great. <laughs> um, well, I say a fix. It was basically 
what happens is you can't open this chest, which gives you an item which lets you open a portal. But you can, if you're very skilled at jumping and rolling, you can jump to where the portal would take you. By like okay. you can fall down this hill. But um, it used to be that you could go to where the portal would take you and pick up the items. But they've taken out the items out of the game completely unless you have you've you've got the item the previous item that you needed to open the portal it just seems yeah i mean i i think um it's really annoying everyone loves cd project red you know they're one of the developers who everyone sort of the golden je- developer i'd say i think quite a lot of the reason they haven't got so much backlash from this is because they're cd project red um mm. you know i think if this had been a developer like ea or activision um who else do people hate now Bethesda. Um, I think there would have been. They hate. <laughs> there would have, yeah, there would have been a lot more sort of backlash and being like, "Why you? Do, why did like? Oh, a lot more memeing, maybe being like, "Ha, ah, they're delaying it again." Um, but I think CD Projekt Red is still sort of beloved by the gaming community. Yes, one hundred percent. They are, they are sort of the golden yeah child of the gaming community. Yes. Yeah, so um, love them. yeah, I mean, it's I'm. I, the only one issue I have with the delay is that the developers, like the staff, um, you know, they've they've basically been crunching since I imagine the start of a year um, to get this game first released in April, and then they got told, oh, we're delaying it till September. So then they'd be crunching until September, and now finally they'll be crunching until November, which is a year almost of just non-stop video game crunch and long hours. Um, so I really hope that they're actually, you know, working manageable hours and not having to be overworked or put themselves at any risks. Yeah, because, I mean, it's 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 one thing to sort of just put out press releases. It'll be good to see actually what the employees are reporting. But on the one hand, they're sort of saying that it does have a need for some more crunch time in order to complete it. Uh, they did talk about how, like, that crunch is... They're trying for it to be more humane. So it might just be, <laughs> you know you're working maybe a little bit longer but hopefully treat them better and hmm. looking at all of that stuff we'll have hmm. to see exactly what it's like when yeah. it comes out because again i think that as much as for me it's kind of spoiled the last of us part two to see all the negative crunch stuff from naughty dog i'm kind of interested to see you know is this going to spoil uh cyberpunk 2077 for me because I, yeah. I i don't know how i'd feel about playing a game if they have been crunching for so long and if it's really affected people well, talking uh, well, speaking of The Last of Us 2, um, a game which hasn't been spoiled for me, luckily. Uh, I've avoided most spoils online as well. Uh, there's, well, one reason which I've avoided all these spoilers is I haven't read any of the reviews of the game. But if I had read the reviews, I wouldn't have been spoiled anyways, because there's some pretty strict embargoes um, on what could and could not be said and revealed during these reviews. And lots of the sort of journalists and the reviewers who got these copies of the codes um, for the PlayStation were quite annoyed and outspoken about how these strict review embargoes about what they can and can't say in reviews have basically damaged their reviews in that they can't actually talk about most of the game. Um, yeah. And they were like saying, oh, why can't I? We, I think I saw one tweet from a, a journalist. I can't remember what their name was. And she said... Um, it was something about because there's such a re- review embargo, she couldn't get into the an, an analytical discussion about the Last of Us Two that she wanted in her review. 
and I know lots of people have been saying, you know, this is fair enough. You should have been able to talk about it more. But I'm just thinking, surely if you really cared about your review um, and you want to put out a good review with analytical discourse, just don't put out your review until after the game's out, you know? And I know it's kind of a, oh, well, they need to get it out for the clicks and stuff. Um, but I think if they really, really cared about how the content of their review was and not who's the first to put it out at 12.01 a.m. last Friday... You know, they could could have held off on it for a week or so. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, I guess, sort of, because a lot of news now is about not only being good, but being first. Yeah. And also then, I guess, if you are one of the sites that hasn't put out your Last of Us review, people are going to go to other places. Like, people that want to read these Last of Us Part 2 mm. reviews, and if you don't have one up, then you can't go back. I feel like maybe a happy medium could have been to maybe write two articles, but then again, you have the idea that, you know, writing takes time you and i both yeah write quite frequently and even i feel like we're both probably quite good at it now and probably both able to get something out quicker than most people it can still take you know quite a few hours to produce something even if it is only a few hundred words because you have to really think about what you're putting on the page yeah and for the last of us too it's such a well it's a much larger game than the first one that's such an important game as well um exactly you do need to really think about it and people are going to come for you if you don't I think really talk about that game right. Like you don't know what you're talking about. Reviewers, they're in a privileged position um, in terms of they get the game early. And I think if they were to just, you know, go out and be like, here's what happens in this game. Here's what happens straight away off the bat in such a story driven game. You know, it would just completely ruin the game for lots of people um, because they'd either read the review and get spoiled or it's just ammo for people to use as well. You know, I feel they haven't really kept... There have been a lot of leaks, which means people can go out of their way and try and find what happens with a game, I think. Um, yeah. I but, think they said the story, uh, the sorry, the ending hadn't been ruined, so the, the ending was still unknown. Yeah, it, it, the ending hadn't been ruined, but lots of the other bits had. Luckily, I haven't seen any. I saw one thing from one article, um, which I don't think was a big spoiler, because it was, rev- it was an article, it was an article from VG247 um, before the release about the guitar um, element. I'm not going to say anything else about that, but I just saw that and was like, well, you didn't need to put that out until after the game had been revealed. Because um, it is a big issue, you know, people hate The Last of Us 2, um, either because they think it's, you know, a bunch of SJW, liberal, whatever. Uh, people hate that element of it because they don't like the fact that Ellie is who she is. Um, and then people hate it because it's a Sony exclusive. <laughs> so yeah. it's, it's a game which has attracted quite a big group of haters uh look at its mess critic reviews on the user scores it's very fun yeah no i see it's been review bombed as as you could have expected uh it's got 3.3 rating on mess critic which uh yeah it's not not surprising um but you know putting out reviews early just revealing or talking about all this stuff is just ammo for all those people to go out of their way and spoil the game for other people which is a big problem when the last of us 2 is such a story-driven game like uh you don't people if it wasn't for the story side of it, it wouldn't be this big game that it is, I'll say. Yeah, I think that I think there does have to be a balanced core. I just, I feel like there needs to be sort of understanding that like people should be able to talk about what they want to talk about. And it seems to be a lot of the stuff they wanted to avoid were people talking about violence because it is meant to play such a core element into mm. the game. But also, you know, because it's sort of a gameplay side of things and you can talk about it more generally, I feel like it should be something that reviewers should talk about because it gives you a feel for what that game is like. Potentially, you know, 
it, it might encourage you to play the game if you realize oh it's got this very deep understanding of like interpersonal relationships looking at revenge in this very violent brutal world but then also it might be like well actually you know i, I don't really want to play something that's uber violent and like that i want to play something that's a little bit nicer in inverted mm. commas so i'm gonna avoid this game and if the reviews aren't able to accurately portray this title then then the reviews aren't able to succeed at selling your game to the right people because i feel like a review is less about sort of telling somebody this is what happens and more at least when i write a review it's meant to be more like this is a feel for the game like this is meant to sort of it might tell you a little bit of information but nothing to the extent that it's going to ruin your experience like i feel like there's sort of a there's a barrier where you can have some spoils and some spoilers for you but it doesn't ruin your experience like it gives you just enough to know that you'll like it but not too Mm. much that you'll come i wish and be like oh i wish i didn't know that yeah i think naughty dog were just uh, well extra protective of uh, the last of us 2 after all the leaks and the uh issues mm. they've had you know they're like well, we don't want anything else getting leaked in this last week i mean just just once to win i'd like to see a game studio be like you know what we're not showing we're not letting anyone review this game until after it comes out just uh to be like everyone goes in blind no one knows what this game is about but it's going to be good trust us just just a little, a little experiment see see if it'd work <laughs> That's what Bethesda do, and I I feel like it would work, but I think that yeah, Bethesda sucks though. <laughs> it it works until it doesn't work. You you only yeah. have to take one bad hit, and then suddenly your games just your like games are just gonna be dead in the water whenever they come out. But um, yeah. So I feel like that's that's all we have to really say about the news. So it's time to go into our topic. So our topic this week is it's quite on topic actually. We've talked about The Last of Us 2 and Cyberpunk 2077 this week. Um, And we are talking about video game crunch. So it's a big issue with the industry at the moment. Um, I think it has been for the past five, ten years especially. And it's sort of come to head around the past few years. Um, So video game crunching, for those of you who don't know what that term means, is basically where towards the end of a video game's release to make sure the game you know releases on time and is as good as it can be developers will work long hours so if, you know they might get to the studio at eight o'clock leave at 10 o'clock at night uh do weekends um spend all the time on the game apart from the sleeping even sometimes sleeping in the studios and it's all you know they might get a bit extra money for overtime pay but it's all what's the what's the word for it? it's all it's all a bit iffy uh in terms of working rights and working conditions and jason schreier um bloomberg reporter now on sort of the video game industry he has been one of these journalists to sort of expose lots of the problems with his studios um naughty dog is one of the worst offenders i think um on the video game crunch and yeah we're just gonna sort of what do you think hamish do you are you well i don't say a fan of crunching do you think that there should be less crunching in the video game industry or do you think it's a necessary evil well, I think, I think, firstly, I, I think overall it's not good. I think what Crunch currently exists as in gaming isn't healthy. Because you talked about um, some mm. of the problems. Like, I think one of the reasons it has come up so much more recently is that people are talking about like, hey, we've been doing this Crunch work, but we're not getting paid for these extra hours. Yeah. Or we're not being properly compensated like a lot of a lot of companies were sort of saying, oh, but they're doing it sort of voluntarily without considering the fact that... It's it's not as work, it's not voluntary. Yeah. Yeah, like, and a lot of people felt that they had to do it voluntarily because 
if they wanted to promote like they saw that people that did come in and put in those extra hours were getting benefits and were getting promoted and were getting rewarded for bad behavior and um i think it was the case of rock steady oh not rock sorry rock star too many rocks um <laughs> rock star the makers of uh gta they talked about like their lead team like their lead writing team is headed up by like their studio heads and he said he was crunching and therefore his team came in and were crunching and said oh yeah. we really enjoy it and people were sort of saying hmm do you really enjoy it yeah you might you might personally enjoy it but because you are the leader you're setting a bad example so your team feel like they have to come in and crunch yeah. with you Rockstar. and then also everyone that wants to eventually get into the position that you are in feels like they have to come in and crunch because Otherwise, if they go for a performance review, they might be told, oh, you're not working hard enough. Whereas, like, employee B, who is doing a coming in at working extra hours potentially for free, is even like, oh, they're, they're taking one for the team. They should get they should get a promotion. <laughs> yeah, Rockstar, uh, another big offender in the, uh, in the gaming industry. I think it was Red Dead Redemption 2, was it? Which had, like, an awful amount of crunching, and they were quite tone deaf with how they talked about this game. I think, uh, it was actually the lead writer or some lead on the game said, oh yeah, we've been working 60 hour weeks to get this game out for you because we just, we so, we're so passionate about this game and we love the fans and we want to get this game out and make it the best game you can. And then everyone was like, well, you shouldn't be working 60 hour weeks. <laughs> That's, you know, illegal. Um, treat your staff right. Yeah, it's getting up to like 100 hour work weeks at time. And I feel like, I, I feel like it's sort of, twofold because again at least from my own experiences i know that the last little bit before any project is the thing that takes the most amount of time i think you know with like you and i at university we do a lot of essays everyone always says that the last 10 percent of the essay takes up you know even a quarter of your time or even like half your time is sort of the 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 joke because you can spend as much as you want doing those little tweaks rereading it updating it making sure that it is pristine and I can know from my own experiences, like when um, I was working on the ball, like whenever it was a, a newspaper week, there would be an element of crunch for me, normally because I had <laughs> quite a lot of other stuff going on. So it wasn't just the one thing, it was there was other stuff going on. And so like I'd have to sort of go in, really fit it in. And potentially there were some days that week where I was working a little bit too much, yeah. but I got it done and it felt like I had to get it done to to, to put it in for that thing. But also it was sort of, that sort of things that was on me yeah no one told you to sort of hamish you need to do this it was all for fun yeah it was all for fun it was all voluntary and it was to fit in everything i had to do Hmm. and so i look at that and i go well on the one hand i wasn't really applying by my own rules like i don't think people should crunch but on the other hand i would go well it was because of sort of to an extent poor planning (laughs) i didn't really i didn't really work out my timing for that week and sometimes there was stuff that was out of my control. You know, if I had a big group, a group assignment that had to be finished, then I, you know, I have to go and meet when my group is free. If I've got lots of, uh, lots of society events on, I've got to go to those when they're on. So then it's trying to slot into the few hours that I do have. Yeah. Whereas like Rockstar, they are only making this, well, typically a studio or a team is only really working on one game. They might split the team up into multiple parts to work on different games, but a, some group of people is just working on one thing normally. Hmm, I think you got it absolutely right when you said, you know, it's a down to poor planning. Um, not to have a dig at you and your planning, Hamish, of course. <laughs> no, but it, exactly. Like, 
I've talked about this before. Yeah, in that in a tweet, uh, one of our friends tweeted about um tweeted about this. It's just like yeah, no, you don't. If if you're having to crunch for this, then you don't. You should you should have thought ahead. That this is going to take time. It's it's a uh, there's a bit of a sort of thing I guess in the video game industry where and I mean we've said it. You know, you want a game now. I I literally just said, oh, why isn't Battlefield coming out? Why didn't they reveal that? But it's because of stuff like that, I guess, where video game developers are pressured by sort of time time periods you know like there's a new call of duty every year there's a new pokemon essentially every year a new fifa every year games they have big timetables where they're like right you have to do this now you have to sort of start it now and finish it this day this day is when we need it done so we can get out for the big holiday release so do have big deadlines which you need to stick to and i think unfortunately quite a lot of the time there will be you know issues always pop up um in development you know Quite a lot of the times, you will just develop a game and you'll be about to finish it, send it off to the testers, and be just like, "This game sucks. It's not fun." You know, here's this one big core gameplay element you've been working on for six months. It just doesn't work. Like no one likes this element. Go back and do it again, and you've you've then you've got to delay it or crunch. And most of the time, quite a lot of the time now, well, in the past especially, they would just crunch and just try and fix it all in a short period a short space of time yeah i i think that for me sort of the happy medium of crunch should always be you know if there is extra work that needs to be done like, mm-hmm. you know those last few months of polish it is really like okay we're going to be action stations i think a people should only work the time that they're meant to work like you're paid to work x amount yeah if it is getting into a crunch mode potentially you could say you know we do need some extra people on look at they already do this like look at hiring they look at hiring contractors maybe offer some of your employees if they're looking for extra money offer them like proper compensation if they want to do extra hours but there should be some kind of cap on how many extra hours somebody can work Mm. to make sure that any one individual isn't coming in too much and then also like if you've got a, a release date for a game I think what we need to hopefully see more of, which we have seen with some games that's worked a big success, is just holding off a little bit for when that game is going to get released. Because like, for, for, I know we talked about Bethesda and we sort of poo-pooed on them a little bit this week, but Fallout 4 was a pretty decent game and was when Bethesda were a really well-liked company. And they almost shadow-dropped it. They basically said, hey, Fallout 4 exists. It's done. It's out in a month. And whilst they might have been crunching in the background to reach maybe internal deadlines... The fact was, like, players weren't really expecting this game. No one knew when it was coming out. And so when it was ready, they could just push it. And they could work to their own beat. They weren't trying yeah. to stick to this deadline like now Cyberpunk are doing. Where we've, they've said openly, it's coming out in November. And now they've got to hit that date. Particularly because it's been delayed so many times. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. There is video games get announced two, three years before they're released. To sort of like build the hype. But then you've got that pressure on you of sort of having to stick to when you've said this game's going to come out or have fans pestering you every single day being like, when is the game coming out? When are we getting more information? If no one knows that exists, they'll, they'll, you'll still get those sort of pesterings, but it'll be more, well, they don't actually... It's just like, you know, standard pestering, which every developer gets, not saying you've released this information. They don't even know it exists uh, in their mind. So like Met- Metroid Prime... They announced it and now, you know, get badgering for every single day or month or every announcement. If no one knew that existed, then they'd be none the wiser and there'd be no pressure on Nintendo. Yeah, exactly. And I think as more games start getting made and start getting released, like 
I think we've seen plans that Take Two and a bunch of other studios and publishers mm. want to push out a lot of games in a short period of time. Yeah, definitely. There will hopefully be less opportunity for people to build these these long roads of hype because it's just like, well, I could worry about this game that's not out yet, or I could actually play what is. Yeah, there's just it's just a tough one sometimes, isn't it, to be like, well, you've got there's a balance which you've got to find. And I think the video game industry, people don't realize it is still really new. It's like still yeah. finding its feet in the world and, you know, own big studios have only really started coming about in the past 10, 15 years, especially before that, you know, it was just people sat in uh, probably worse conditions, actually crunching voluntarily for 15 hours a day, but then releasing their own games uh, rather than with publishers. Um, <laughs> and now it's whole, it's becoming more professional and sort of uh, more like a standard industry, if you can really say that. Yeah. Um and it's still finding its feet and there's lots of kinks and issues to work out. And I hope over the next five, ten years, especially in this next generation, when games look to be growing to an immense level, um, hopefully soon we'll figure out what the best thing is to do and what the best course uh, yeah, I think, is. I think the one final thing that I would like to add, mm. was I think one thing that would really help again was just slowing everything down, but as well then giving people time to take a break because they... If people are going to crunch yeah. and they're going to be rewarded for it, you then need to give them some time off. And there can be issues with that. You know, lots of games don't just release now and are done. You can put out patches, you can put out fixes. And there's almost this expectation that a game will launch, but you're not, you're, you don't have time to take a break just after you've finished it because you've got to start working on the day one patch. Then there's probably going to be a week one patch or a week or a month one patch to fix up any of the bugs that you're now <laughs> millions of beta, uh, sort of player testers have discovered and so you know it and then with dlc and everything it can yeah. be you know a year if not longer before a game actually finishes and even then once it's finished you know it can be straight onto the next project uh so there's a bit lots of burnout i know naughty dog uh sort of dunks on them a bit more in this episode too um you got to think the last of us original one came out in what 2013 i think yeah um so they've been working on that game since i don't know 2011 2010 ish uh so that game out came out then then they went straight on to uncharted 4 um working on that you know neil Druckmann and bruce straley i think his name they jumped over to that mm. and just finished that game and then since then have been working on the last of us 2 and have only just finished that so essentially it seems like they've had very little time off in the last 10 years or just time to sort of take a step back and be like okay here's some like time just to reflect and just have a like a bit of time to get ahead straight and decide where we want to go in the future and i really really hope that for the developers and the studio's sake that after this game um now it's finished hopefully um they'll just take a few months off maybe and just be like right we'll come back i don't know We'll come back in September and we'll start planning our next game, whether that's The Last of Us 3, um, a new Uncharted, which isn't from Nathan Drake's perspective, or a completely new IP. Just a bit of time to relax, reflect, and think. With that, actually, I wanted to lead that into our final discussion of the week, and that is our Game Club game. Because for me, I think taking time to stop, think, reflect, and really consider what the series is to its player base <laughs> is something that uh pokemon needs to have happen 
because yes. the Isle of Armor update for, or the DLC for Pokemon Sword and Shield has many good elements, but it's outshadowed by many bad elements, which, in my opinion, didn't take into account the needs of players and sort of the wants of players that are likely to be playing this game. Yeah, look, you've, you've for Pokemon Sword and Shield, with the Isle of Armor DLC, you've spent essentially what isn't about what um 80 70 80 quid 90 dollars if you're in america um that's a lot of money to spend on one video game yeah. and for what you get and for what it is really i think it's it's very disappointing um and i think you're right pokemon game freak needs to take a st- i know they did have a year off but they need to take another step back and be like okay why do people hate it? well why do people criticize our games they do sell well yeah but there's a lot of backlash still on these games yes so um where are you at with the isle of armor dlc ollie i i'm still i've almost finished a storyline you know i've got um the cub through whatever his name is the uh legendary thing from a dojo i'm just sort of wandering around exploring uh i would say having a good time but (laughs) yeah so (laughs) having an okay time the, the story is actually a little bit longer than i expected um once you've got Kubfu, you then evolves into Urshifu, and there is a little bit more. I think my main problem is that the, I think first and foremost where the DLC starts is it doesn't Nintendo haven't really properly thought about where this DLC should slot into the story because mm. it's meant to be that if you were playing a new game of Pokemon Sword and Shield, you can get the DLC when you can enter the wild area, which is quite early in the game. Yeah. And on the one hand, that's great for new players, but at nearly a year after release, there aren't going to be that many new players. Most people will have already played the game, and I imagine most players that will be coming back for the DLC have probably already beat the game at this point. Yeah, definitely. It's, it, it's not exactly a particularly difficult game. <laughs> um, I think most people... Yeah, right. And it's pretty odd, then, that I'm the that my character and everyone else's character that has beat the game is now the champion of the region. <laughs> No one knows they're the champion, and no one and 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 everyone still refers to Leon the champion. And it's just like I know Leon was still a champion, so you could that's not an incorrect thing to call them. But it's just like I like it feels like all the again I'm not really having any effect on this world around me. I think that was a big problem for the the base Pokemon Sword and Shield. It's like well I'm kind of just a an observer to most of this mm. story. I step in right at the end to catch a legendary Pokemon, and that's about it. Yeah, Leon saves the day, really. <laughs> yeah, there is one line in the middle of it where um, they say, "Are oh, the master that runs the dojo uses the TV all the time to play video games. They don't ever get to watch the news. <laughs> but still, it's just like, that. that's a line that's optional. That's really, it, you have to talk to a specific character. It's like, if you are just generally playing the game, you're not necessarily going to get that. And it doesn't it feels sort of like have been ignored and it's even more so like it's not really explained why you're at the isle of armor it's everyone's just like oh we're looking we're so glad that you're here and it's always just like yeah but why am i here (laughs) it's good for a good time other than other than the game telling me i can go here and the fact that i've just dropped you know 20 odd quid (laughs) buying the ability to go here like why is my character coming here there's it's just like I just talked to this person. They said, "Come along," and I was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. sure." You know what? I, I've got nothing. I've got nothing else to do. 
Let me see if I can catch the new Pokemon. Well, just... so it could have been yeah. cool if maybe you'd received a letter. Like, you've got a Rotom phone. Maybe mm. your mum could say, like, oh, you've received a letter in the post. You go, and it's a letter from the master, from the dojo, being like, hey, we heard that you're the new champion. You should come and train with us. Yeah. It was It was a very, I think, lots of this stuff was a bit... I don't want to say lazy, because... I'm not sure that's the right right word, but there was lots of there's lots of things they could have just thought about for five minutes and been like, wait, why didn't we do this or why why haven't we included that or it, it, it's just you know I I prefer the DLC to I guess Pokemon I don't know what would the third one be Axe or Gun or Sword and Shield two um but it's just there was lots of i just didn't didn't care to be honest at the end of the day i think i've fallen out of love with pokemon sword and shield a good few months ago and i did hope this would sort of get me back into it and it just hasn't to be honest um i did like one thing which i haven't touched on yet uh you know when you get the pokemon can follow you again that's that's always a good touch um but that is only in the isle of armor which is weird. Unlike Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, the Pokemon follow you at their base speed or their respective <laughs> yeah. speed. So it Very does mean slow. that like I'm running along, my Pokemon just cannot keep up with me. My Cinderace can, but my Cubfu when I when I was a Cubfu was just <laughs> yeah. so far away. I saw it was a what's it, Meltan. If you watch a video of a Meltan moving with you, it is awful. Uh it like Yeah, I hobbles along at a tiny pace they should have really thought about it with some of them like get some of them to ride on you particularly because now you don't have pikachu or eevee to think about yeah. just, it feels like they threw it in but just sort of went oh here you go and just like yeah they were like in. hey people like pokemon following you this will stop anyone complaining here you are have these um there's and it, it's not been optimized as much as it could like if you look at some of them walking down stairs um it's a very yeah poor and you think how much money do people pay for this game and how big of a series is it how many millions if not billions does this game rake in every single year we're not we're not billions or this series in general um and i think you know I, I just don't i'm just disappointed in the pokemon series now you know i think i had a few years off when i was about i don't know when just before omega ruby and alpha sapphire um yeah. and i think a lot of people who aren't as vocal in the community who are saying, like, this game sucks. Like, there are a lot of haters. There's a lot of people who are just silent, but just like, yeah, I'm kind of done with Pokemon. Um, and I don't think this will change anything in the new DLC. Not many. If people have picked it up, I mean, not not everyone will be buying it. Because um, they'll just see, I don't care at this point. Um, I'm just not sure if this is enough for people to start enjoying Sword and Shield again, in my opinion. No, I... Uh, I, I want to talk about some of the things that I liked about the DLC, and then I'd like to talk about what how I think it maybe could have been done. Um, so what I did like, one thing that I think Pokemon Sword and Shield did really well just in the base game was, in general, making it that if you catch any Pokemon, you can use it um, competitively. Because it used to be a thing that like you have to breed a Pokemon to get the right IVs and nature, and it's it can, be, it can take a lot of time and a lot of effort and quite a bit of luck to get the perfect pokemon and even then like if you say want a shiny variation of it which is like this extra rare version then that's even extra luck time and effort so it basically means you're stuck using a pokemon and you might really like a shiny version of it but it's just not competitively viable you have to use something else yeah because they've allowed you to um 
obviously with some different time and effort, but it's potentially a little bit more fun because it involves battling and fighting. You can now get with any Pokemon, you can make it the right nature, you can give it the right IVs, and you can give it the right EVs. Um, EVs are the thing that you can actually affect and train it for. And so I feel like Pokemon Sword and Shield did a really good job about doing that. The only issue was they had a Gigantamax forms, and that requires you to catch a specific Pokemon. So in my case, it was like the toxicity yeah. that I'd had Gigantamax most of the way through the just... game. Like the Pokemon had most of the way through the game, I couldn't Gigantamax it because I hadn't caught one that could do that. Whereas it's... like in the Isle of Armor DLC, they fixed that. They've made it that if it's a Pokemon that is possible to do it, you just have to feed it a soup and it <laughs> it can Gigantamax now. And it's the way that you can get your starter Pokemon to have yeah. its Gigantamax form. It's how you give Urshifu its Gigantamax form. And I think it is a very small little detail that goes a long way for fans of the series. Yeah, I think, I mean, in general, I'm not a fan um, of the Dynamax Gigantamax thing. Um, I think it was a cheap gimmick when they were like, okay, we've done Mega Evolutions, we've done Z moves, what do we do now? Uh, Quick, let's make everything bigger. Um, But it's a space base problems, which that's at least one thing the DLC is good at. It has fixed a few of the issues from the base game, which might have taken a bit longer to implement or would be a bit of a weird one for them to just chuck in as an update. I think as well then what I also quite liked was just like a lot of the DLC focuses on training and the fact you can sort of go around and you can sort of meet these people that can do new things and uh, teach you new moves and add in some of these elements. It's like, okay, I quite like this sort of this aspect. I quite like some of the side quests you can do. Some Mm. of them are a bit annoying, but it makes it feel like you're actually doing something. It it gives you stuff to do. I I wish there had been a few more side quests. Um, Yeah, I think... And again, I quite like there being uh, new Galarian Pokemon. Uh, Though I say new Mm. Galarian Pokemon, (laughs) there's literally only really two but technically only one in the official dlc because those two pokemon are slowpoke and slowbro but slowpoke was released for all players already so it's technically only really slowbro and that is also i think a big problem in and of itself it's in the same line as well yeah i just i'll be nice i'll be nice for a minute to the dlc um i liked the sort of how it was all similar to the wild area you know i'm glad it wasn't just hey we'll make it like the roots again um, there was none of the sort of very awful corridors which there were in the base game. Um, I think they've done well and they've realised people love the wild area. Um, I'm sure this will be a, fe- a feature which returns in most of the games in the future. Um, or something similar, it might not be called a wild area. But I think the way they did it, even with the biomes and everything, um, it works quite well. And I think this is the way forward for Pokemon, you know. Everyone, everyone always says, where's the open world Pokemon? Where's the open world Pokemon? Well, hopefully after this generation, Game Freak have realised what people like about the game isn't that there's these routes where you walk through down a mine, in it, which is just a corridor, or a victory road is just, I can't remember, it's some god-awful path. Uh, hopefully they realise... Little maze. Yeah. Hopefully they realise that people like these big open world things a bit more. This is what people want. So, I think for me... There are a few little tweaks I'd made to the Isle of Armor that I think would make it overall better. I think firstly, it, as we already mentioned, it needs to have a defined starting point. Like, when are you meant to play this game? And I think given how long after release this DLC has come out, it needs to be 
aimed at players that are already the champion and it should be you are locked out of this area until you have beaten the base game i think step two to make it worthwhile because another issue is i've gone to the aisle with a team of six level 100 pokemon and everything i fight is at least 30 levels below my team and also my team is like competitive so it's got max evs ivs everything i'm just demolishing these trainers it's not (laughs) really uh, it's not really difficult so my next thing and this might annoy some people but i think it would encourage you as well to explore the island more is that when you go to the island you are limited as to what pokemon you can use and basically they give you cub a lot more quickly they maybe give you one or two other pokemon but basically they say whilst you're on the island at least for the story component of the island mm. you should only be allowed to use pokemon from that subsection of the game that's that's a very that would actually work quite well, I think. Um, like, they do in a Breath of the Wild a bit, don't they, where they, you, you can only use a certain amount of items on this island for a challenge. So, yeah, I think, yeah, lots of people would like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, not everyone's as good at Pokemon. Um, I think we just in general need to make the whole game harder, add a hard mode. I think the other thing that I would have done then is having that, but then also introducing more quests and elements where you're having to train cub food but make it maybe um not just like you're actually having to fight and battle make it be like you've got to go and do this little side mission and potentially it's like oh if you go and do this side mission your cub food levels up x amount and they just be like oh you and cub food got better as friends cub food mm. goes up 10 levels or five levels and it means that you know if you already if maybe you do want to go through a bit more quickly you can sort of level up it in this interesting slightly different way and it means that you can get through this story element maybe a little bit more quickly but in a slightly more interesting way than just go and fight loads because uh, obviously pokemon is all about battling but it there are there are one or two quests in the isle of armor that are really fun and make it feel like oh this is a world that is lived in by pokemon it makes it feel like the anime to a small extent yeah and it's like i want more of that so getting to do more with this pokemon through missions would also make certain portions of it later on make a little bit more sense like it Mm. makes it feel like your partner and not just this pixel (laughs) mesh that you happen to have walking with you um so that'd be another thing because also then by by being that you can only use pokemon from the island encourages you to explore more because whilst the game does try to encourage that by basically so i have a living dex one thing that slightly annoyed me was that i had to you can't just try you can you can put the pokemon from pokemon home into pokemon sword and shield all the new ones but they don't automatically log into your pokedex there's a small workaround where you have to deposit them in a daycare and then withdraw them but (sighs) otherwise you have to um like you have to just capture these pokemon Mm. in isle of armor and there isn't really a reason to do that so i didn't because it's just annoying at that point yeah it's just like i already have all these pokemon i'm not going to spend tons of hours trying to redo an achievement i've already achieved across multiple games whereas if they said oh you can only use these pokemon in the isle of armor from the isle of armor itself it's like oh that makes it worthwhile me going around and trying to catch a set shakes like actually making me want to play this game because as well for anyone that's maybe sat at sat at home that's saying oh why don't you just start a new pokemon game well, you can't really do that because you only get one Pokemon save. <laughs> if I could start a new save game, then I'd absolutely do that. And I'd go to the wild area and I'd explore it. 
and it would it would make more sense but again pokemon has this this thing of you only get one save and if you delete it you lose everything yeah and plus it it's a bit of a I wouldn't want to start a new Pokemon game because it would mean you have to go through the awful hand-holding of a start of Sword and Shield. Exactly. So I think I think all of that, it needed more story, it needed more everything. Because also the Art of Armour is a decent size. I would say mm. maybe if it did require you to do more quests, maybe make it a little bit bigger. But honestly, yeah. I think that from that perspective, it's 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 fine enough already that it you could probably get away with if you were really utilizing the space efficiently you could probably get away with doing it because as well in terms of the quests you really only visit like you could get away with only visiting about half the island yeah there's a lot of story so you can just explore it after you've done it um whereas it would feel cool if you actually had to go around and do it and not just to find 151 diglet which i know is a pokemon (laughs) number but also is bloody annoying how many have you found so far (laughs) i think i found like 60 oh it's more than me i've I saw that yeah, you have to collect 150. And I was like, nope, I'm not even going to try. <laughs> Do not care yeah, enough. Um, um, the, oh, actually, sort of the then the final thing. Actually, I did want to say that as well. I did like the two final things I wanted to say that I also <laughs> liked that I didn't mention earlier. Um, before we close out, too much more, uh, and you can say your final bits. I like the um the cramomatic. Yeah, particularly because like as people learn the recipes for it, people start to learn. Oh, they're these really beneficial things. So. Um, I mentioned like IV training that you to do that you need a level 100 Pokemon and bottle caps uh, and there's two different kinds there's a regular bottle cap where it does one stat on its own or there's a gold bottle cap which does all the stats and um, normally you'd need six bottle caps to have the same effect as a gold one but with the Kramomatic you can put four regular ones in and get a gold one out so it kind of speeds up the process at which you can train uh, which seems to have been a good focus for this um, this installment the dlc and the final thing semi-spoiler but it's not really a spoiler once you beat the dlc you get access to um special battles where you do five battles in a row and but you can only use three pokemon of a specific type uh, but in return you get a lot of bp i think you get like 50 uh 60 no, 62 bp even if you manage to do it all in one go on your first try and that is really fun like it makes you think like okay i've got to use three ghost type pokemon which pokemon am i going to use and it makes you kind of it does actually make you think about what you're doing and maybe think about training a few of the pokemon and i've actually enjoyed it quite a lot it's been my favorite bit of the dlc so far and it's right at the end yeah that's it's you know the battle frontier sort of style stuff is always a good i've always think that's always been one of the best things about um pokemon's end game content you know i love i loved the battle frontier when it first came in an emerald and it's been pretty decent since yeah so uh, like those battle frontier elements brilliant i wish i wish they had a proper one again though with like all the weird mm, yeah battle mechanics because that is battle frontier was always one of my favorite places to visit in pokemon but yeah that's that's where i'm sat with it could have been better should have been better yep well we'll have to wait and see how the crown tundra is when that comes out later this year <laughs> yeah and before i rant more about Oh, that's just reminding me of something I wanted to rant about, but I won't. I won't. It's time to end the show. We've already been going so long. This is going to be another really long episode, Ollie. We have oh, well. there was a lot of news, but it's it's okay. We can. I'm sure I can find something to probably some of my ramblings to get rid of. <laughs> no, well, there's lo- lots of news, lots of things to talk about, so we can't c- can't miss anything out. Yeah. We can't miss anything out. So 
on all of these notes, we've got to say goodbye. We'd like to say thank you so much for listening. If you like the podcast and you can rate it, please do on whatever podcast service you're listening. You know, follow us on Instagram uh, as well if you are enjoying it. Share us with your friends, even if it's as much as just them listening to our opening theme song, which is really awesome and is made by Joseph Joseph McDade from josephmcdade.com. You can find that all down below. Uh, We'd also like to thank all of the people that donate well didn't donate their articles whose articles we used to sort of reference our news this week again they will be linked down below please give them a click so their work can be appreciated because uh, they help us work out what we're going to talk about uh and um i'd like to thank ollie i know oh. i thank ollie for being on the show but i'd like to thank him for being on the show Ooh, thank you hamish for okay. ranting and hating <laughs> pokemon isle of armor so ground my gears <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully, hopefully next week's one will be better. Bye, everybody. Bye.